Hey, what's happening, my people? Hope you're all doing well. I'd like to start by saying a huge thank you to all those on social media that tried to guess who today's guest was going to be. The plan is to offer way more stuff like that going forward. So if you'd like to be a part of the fun or just stay up to date, make sure to follow us at kickback underscore Nadem on Instagram and Twitter. Also, also, Skylar Warwick has joined the kickback team. So if you see any fire content on social media, it's probably because of her. Anything less, and it's probably myself and or Ryan Hale. And to those asking, links to the playlist can be found in the show notes. But now let's get to it. Today's guest is somebody I've been very keen to get the chance to speak to. So I'm absolutely thrilled to be able to share with you today my conversation with one of the most decorated female footballers in history. She's a two-time World Cup winner, two-time NWSL champion, Olympic gold medalist, and four-time NWSL Defender of the Year. And that's just scratching the surface. It's an honor and a privilege to introduce one of the most beloved players in world football. Ladies and gentlemen, Becky Sauerbrunn. Hey. Oh, hey, Becky. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. It's great to see you. Good to see you too. Wow. You have like an official like studio. We do things very seriously around here. Apparently. We have to do this properly. It's for you after all. Yeah. So, are you ready? Yeah, let's do this. Okay. Well, firstly, thank you for coming on the show. I've, you're someone who I've really been keen to speak to, and we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun. We'll be serious in parts, but I think you're the right person for the for the listeners. So, you, you up for that? I'm totally up for that. Okay, great. So, I'd like to know. I'd like to get to know a bit more about you as a human, and then as a player, and I think maybe your place within women's football as well. So, shall we begin? Let's do this. Okay, so I'm going to set the tone. Obviously, you are who you are, but I still went on Wikipedia to find out exactly who you are. And I was kind of having a head-to-head with you, and I realized I was losing badly, except for one thing. What do you think that one thing is? I have no idea. <laughs> it's Please goals. You don't know how to score goals. <laughs> um, that is completely fair. Completely. Yeah, and that 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 made me smile a little bit. You have every accolade going, but I have more goals. So that that yeah, we're basically the same now because I've scored more goals. Does that seem about right? Yeah, but how do you score your goals? Uh, sometimes it just hits me. Sometimes <laughs> you know I try and direct it towards goal. It it depends. It depends. How do you score your goals? Because I saw you one last year. Yeah, but, you know, the like the few like the ones that I can count on my hand, obviously, um, I think I've had like a few headers and then I did chip a keeper once, which was pretty sweet. No, um, you didn't. That's not true. Very. That's it's a, it's true. a rare thing. That's not true. I don't believe that for a second. Oh, my gosh. You that. can look it up. I was playing for Kansas City against the Washington Spirit and I chipped Ashlyn Harris. Well, there you go, then. That must be official. That must be official. <laughs> so let's get to it. Yeah. Um. Firstly, how would you describe yourself as a player, say to anybody that's maybe not seen you play before? As a player, I would say I'm more of a cerebral player. Like I don't rely on my physicality and I haven't been able to do that because I'm not particularly special in any physical aspect. I'm not particularly tall or strong or fast. And so from like a super young age, I realized that I needed to be smart. And so for me, like, I'm very positional. Um, I'm very into what angle do I need to take to approach a player, to approach a ball. Um, I'm pretty much doing the um, like perfect amount of running for me. Not too much, not too little, but like just the right <laughs> amount to get to the ball. 
yeah, that's that's my type of player. <laughs> <laughs> how did that um how did that translate in the early years of uh women's women's football for you? Actually, it did not translate well. I think for the most part people wanted that stereotypical center back, you know, super fast, super strong, can boot the ball 60 yards. And like, I was not that center back. I just couldn't do it. So I think a lot of the time I was kind of passed up and like tried in different positions. Like, uh, you, you seem more like a six or a center mid or even an outside back, which I am not an outside back. Let me tell you, but, um, (laughs) it was, it took a long time and it took a few special coaches that like saw in me, kind of what the future of the center back position could look like. And so I was really hit or miss with a lot of, well, a lot of coaches. Which seems kind of crazy looking back now, but yet still here we are. I'm still hit or uh, miss with you, a lot of coaches. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> do you think you could, you could tell me about, say, some of the feelings you had, say, throughout your career when you maybe made your debut professionally and then maybe when you made your debut for the national team? Like, I want to know what that felt like to you. Sure. So my debut, my first debut was actually with the national team. So I just finished my eligibility in college at UVA and I got the email saying like, Hey, we'd like to bring you into a January camp. And if you make the roster, we're going to travel you to China for the four nations tournament. And I was over the moon, like dream come true. And so go into camp and I actually make the roster to go to China. And my debut is against Canada in China and we win four zero, but I break my nose in the 70th minute and have to come off, unfortunately, because I was bleeding all down my jersey. And it's super memorable because I remember the doctor that was with us had to reset my nose in the locker room, wow. which was not pleasant. Wow. And I'm sure you've probably gone through similar things. And yes, I played five days later against China. So I got two appearances in that tournament and then pretty much uh, got cut from the team right after that tournament. And so... It was an amazing debut, but also like, uh, okay, goodbye. <laughs> how does that, how did that work? Why did you get cut if you uh, played those games? It was a, Pia Sundaga was the coach at the time. And she, when she brought me in, which, you know, when you get called to the, the coach's room, you're always like, oh gosh, um, yeah, was sure. brought in and she just said, we don't see you as, um, as well-rounded of a player as we need right now. And a lot of that was actually because of long balls. So she was like, I'm going to put you back with the 23s, um, and really just focus on your longer range passing. And so that's what I did. I went down to the 23s and then luckily the professional league started up. So I got my debut, um, with the professional league and first game for that unbelievable. I was with the Washington freedom. We were playing the LA soul in um, Los Angeles and I'm playing against Marta. I've got Abby Wambach on my team. So like just these all time greats and I'm playing with them and against them. And it's like, Whoa, I can't believe I'm here. And we wound up losing the game, but I honestly, I look back and remember it so fondly because it was the start of my professional career and the start of a league that didn't last very long, but the start of like what something could look like for women's soccer in America. Yeah, for sure. I think you've, there was a question I was going to ask, which was how has the league changed over the years? But you've kind of answered it in the fact that the style of players changed. So different types of players can come through now. Whereas, say, in your time, they wanted you to be a defender who can kick the ball 60 yards. That doesn't feel like, from my time watching the league anyway, that that's something that's really required or even asked for or sought after. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think well, it's, it's interesting because even within the NWSL, I think in the early years, the teams that were more successful were the teams that possessed the ball and were very methodical in their buildup. 
um, probably had, you know, special players, but weren't, um, weren't like run and gun. And then actually now within the last few years, it's the teams that are the best in the transition moments that are the ones that really succeed. So you look at like a North Carolina courage and they just thrive during attacking transition. And so if you don't have that defensively within you to like withstand that, they're going to score a lot of goals and they've been doing that for the last few years. Yeah, I enjoyed watching them last year, to be honest. They they were very, very good value. They were good value. I think it felt like they definitely deserved to win the title. Yes, they're, they're very, very good. They played us like the fifth game of a stretch that they had, and they beat us 3-0. And I'm like, what? Who are you guys? <laughs> the Monstars. Um, so after so many years, because you've, you've played over a decade now, and... I'd like to know, because you're somebody who's won the league twice, you've won many individual accolades within the league system, like what exactly motivates you at the start of every season when you've already won everything there is to win, essentially? Well, for me, it's I just want to keep winning everything. And so it's great that I can say I've, I've won the end of the result twice, but I really wish that I've won it seven times in a row. So for me, it's, it's always been kind of interesting because you get to the mountaintop and you're kind of like, okay, I made it. And now you're like looking around and you're like, what other mountaintop can I climb? And mm-hmm. I think that's true for me. And I, I think that's actually really true with a lot of the people that I play with, especially on the national team. It's kind of like you win a world cup and we're like, okay, that was cool. Like let's, let's win the Olympics now. Yeah. It's the machine. Okay. So one thing I've heard about you, which isn't a hundred percent positive is the fact that you're you've almost got imposter syndrome. Everyone knows how great you are, but you don't, it's like you don't feel that you're great yourself. You've achieved everything from a personal standpoint. But what I really want to know now, if you can do this for me, I want to know your own individual goals and you can't mention the word team. I want to know what really inspires you. What do you want to go out there and actually try and achieve every year? And I can't you, use the word team. You can't you can't use the word team or insinuate team. This is about you, the individual. What do I want to accomplish? What do you want to accomplish? Because I know it's a team game, but it's still a team game involving individuals. So yeah. What? What kind no, of question we, is that? We have, <laughs> listen, I've 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 been looking forward to this because I hear you give very, very straight down the line answers about certain things, but now I want you to come out of your shell. And tell me, what really motivates you? What are your goals? Oh, okay. Um, well, this is just this impossible. Is, I love this. I this is what I love. I, I want to always be... There we go. I'm going to have to use the team. I'm going to have to use the word team. Is that okay? Depends how you use it. Okay, okay. Fair. I always want to be on the team that has the best defensive unit. Okay. So should I infer that you want to be the best defender? Is this what you've just said? Unit. The best defensive unit. So like least goals against, least amount of shots on goal. That I I take a lot of pride in being a part of defensive units that are very good. Okay. So you want to dominate the opposition. Is that what you just said? Yes, that's fair. (laughs) <laughs> okay i tried i tried my best to get a person something from you but i'll try again later it was valiant okay. it's a valiant try yeah to the to the next question and the next stage this is about you as a person now yeah so even with all the awards i think the respect that people have towards you goes beyond the titles and things like this and 
as I say before, it's kind of, I hear people talk about things like imposter syndrome, about people like you who are incredibly successful and so on, but it's you as a person. And, and how, how do you think you, how would you describe yourself as a person? It's a tough question. It's a tough question. Uh, yeah, wow. Just really get to the heart of somebody. Um, I would describe <laughs> myself as, I think I'm empathetic. I think it's very easy for me to put myself in someone else's position within like reason. So I'm a vet. It's, you know, I try very hard to understand what it feels like to be a young player on a team just trying to make their name what makes them uncomfortable, what makes them comfortable. And so I, I try to make decisions based off what's best for the group. And I feel like I have done most of my career and in most of my relationships have always tried to always put like the collective before myself and collective success before individual success. And I think I've done well in that. Um, I think I've also got gotten burned in the past as well. But I think that for me, like I always try to keep that as my due north is just like, how can I make things better for other people? Um, and usually when you do that, good things kind of find their way back to you. And so I've been very fortunate that you're right. I've, I've played on great teams and I've um, won championships and I, I feel like I've got really strong relationships with the people that I surround myself with. So I feel very fortunate, but I also feel like I've also tried to put that energy out there and it's, and it's come back to me in that way. Yes. That's, 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 kind of, that's what I thought you might say, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and, but that's, but that's because it's a great answer. Like this is one of the reasons why I'm so happy to be able to speak to you today, because you're the type of person who I, I would love, who I love to champion and to share with other people. So to hear these words, this is it's perfect. I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, but anyway, so you as a person and a player, you've won so, so much in your time. Like literally going through your Wiki, Wikipedia page, I've seen, I've seen essentially books which are probably shorter than your Wikipedia page. So how can you have all that behind you but then still be so humble? Are you, is, are you scared of the limelight or did you choose to avoid it? Um, I, I don't think... She's I'm not exactly for the correct answer. <laughs> Is this in the manual? Here we go. <laughs> um, it's. I think I have the right amount of limelight. I I don't want to be in it all the time. I think the times that I am in it, it's kind of like I I am just uncomfortable with it. And there, you're right. I have imposter syndrome. Like there are definitely better people and players out there, and so shine the light on them. Um, I do when it when it calls for it. I am willing to go into that light and speak on things that I feel really passionate about. Um, so there has to be a reason for me to, to go into it and to put myself out there. But I mean, it's, it's kind of a blessing and a curse when you see the way that people get treated when they are in the limelight. Um, and so I would say it's kind of a combination of avoiding it and maybe not deserving it. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll choose to disagree with you on that one, but sure. I think you definitely deserve it. But, um, you would you say you're an introvert? Absolutely. Okay, so you're an introvert who's won everything, who also plays for the U.S. Women's National Team. So every time you go step out on the field, you're a favorite. You take that to a tournament situation, and you're a favorite for a prolonged period of time. How exactly do you personally handle that type of limelight when essentially everybody is going to be looking at you? Well, luckily, I also then have at the World Cup 22 other players on my roster that are feeling the same way, and so relying and leaning on the people around me helps me deal with that. I think 
also, like you said, like we're one of the best teams in the world. Every time we play somebody, they want to bring their A game to us. So we have to bring our A game. And so Jill Ellis actually said it best when she said that some teams visit pressure, but we live here. And it's kind of true because we have in every single training camp and every single friendly, when we go to these major tournaments, like we know the target is on our back. And so we train that way. And I think you kind of just get comfortable with being uncomfortable and that pressure just becomes like just a steady undercurrent. It's always there, but you just kind of handle it better. That's a very good answer, but I was asking about you, not the collective. Ah, I see. How do I deal with it? Well, (laughs) as an introvert, uh, Yeah, the pressure can become a lot. And luckily, I know I have people that I do lean on individually and personally. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's also getting away from the game. And so at these world tournaments, like in France in 2019, I spend a lot of time by myself. And and it's tough because you're living with your team for months at a time. But you just find ways to get away. And for me, I read. I I gamed a lot. I had my Switch there. So I was racking up hours of of gaming. (laughs) And you just try to get away and you try to do those things that make you happy um, and settle you and kind of recharge your batteries because you know you're going to be in the grind the next day. And luckily, that's something I've gotten better with as I've gotten older in my career. I also think I've gotten a lot better at kind of shaking off the mistakes because, you know, as a center back, when you make a mistake, it's usually a shot on goal or a goal. And so very easy to to point at the the defender and be like, well, that that was her fault. So... For me, I've gotten better at shaking off those mistakes faster because what I've seen is sometimes people can't do that and it just is like quicksand and you make a mistake and all of a sudden you're making another one and another one and another one. So for me, with dealing with pressure, I think that's helped a lot is that I'm trying to take the pressure off myself however I can. Yes, that's very cool. I was going to ask you um, who you are as a person if we take away soccer, but you've kind of revealed yourself because you read a lot and you game a lot. And you just try and avoid people a lot. Does that, does that seem about right? Um, yeah. I mean, I, avoiding people. Yeah, probably. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm definitely one of those people that I go for quality over quantity. Okay. All right. Um, speaking of which, you've mentioned that you lean on certain people and so on. And you're somebody who's um, respected greatly by teammates, by staff, wherever you've been. Like, people can't speak highly enough of you. And that's because it's like you say, you have that sort of that empathetic feel towards situations and people doesn't matter if you're a teammate or somebody who serves you food in the afternoon or whatever and that makes people feel very very wanted and appreciated but my question to you really is after all these years how many people do you think you've worked with who you're actually really close to i would say it's probably i mean i've i've been playing professionally for a decade. I've been on the national team for almost a decade. I would say someone that I truly would call a close friend and would ask them for anything and they could ask me for anything. Probably 20, 25 people. Okay. That's higher than I thought you would say from avoiding people. Yeah. You'd be surprised how much like staff, like athletic trainers, um, like I, for some reason, like bond really well with all my athletic trainers. So they're in that group. And then obviously players. And there's a, there's a few coaches who have over the years gone from being my mentor to, to just being friends. And so mm-hmm. um, they're in there as well. And why do you think you're drawn towards those people? What is it about them, do you reckon? I don't know. I think 
with athletic trainers, I think they're, they're so selfless. I mean, they're basically the reason players can get on the field every single day and they don't really get the appreciation. I think that they deserve. Sometimes they just get kind of crapped on by players. Like they're just not treated as essential because they really are mm-hmm. essential to our jobs. And so sure. I also need to take care of my body because I'm also older. So <laughs> I'm with them quite a bit. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, I think just time around them and just like getting to know, know them as people, like it's just, they're very selfless and want the best for other people. And I, I dig that. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. Um, can we talk about the women's soccer in America right now, uh, from on a club level, because I want to, um, so I'm a guy, before I came to uh, Utah, I didn't watch much of the NWSL, but I was watching the WSL in England. Um, oh, women's, uh, sorry, the Women's League in England. And I love it. I'll be honest. I love I love all sport. I love football. I love soccer. I just love watching it. And every product, every league, every age group is ultimately just different. And I like to choose and just watch all the different bits of it. And I don't think the league gets as much attention as it probably deserves. You know, not not an attention to take away from anybody else, but it's. A, I loved it, but I didn't love how, for example, how I'd have to watch it on Yahoo Sports last year, when I could just be watching it, you know, on another another way. So I want to just spend some time talking to someone who's within that league, about the league, and my biggest, my first question actually is, do you think the league is growing quickly enough, based on say the way that other leagues around the world are growing? I think it's tough because you look at a. a comparable league like the MLS and how they struggled in the early years and needed kind of that reclusive billionaire to kind of take care of a few teams. And so you see the financial struggles that they went through and the teams that came and went, and we're going through similar struggles. And what I would hope is that we would have learned from those past, from the MLS and from the early days and and maybe kind of avoided some of those same errors, but Mm -hmm. we're, we're in it. Like we've, we've, had franchises, we've lost them, we're adding them. Um, I think we're still always trying to push the level of professionalism, which I think also happened in the MLS. You see teams, you know, going from certain stadiums and then going to better stadiums. And so that's, it's a, it's definitely something in progress. And we are on the up and up, I would say. I think the ownerships, the teams, the standards are getting higher and higher there are still major, major issues. And one of those things is a livable wage for the majority of the players that play in the NWSL. 100%, yeah, 100%. Couldn't agree more. So you recently moved to Portland, Is this is correct, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I saw the social media stuff, So I and I speak to people who obviously play with you, so I understand why you did it. But for anybody that doesn't know, why why is it you ultimately ended up going going there when you were doing so well in, uh, in Utah? Well, when Kansas City folded, there was an opportunity for me to play for Portland. I was already living in Portland, but I could play for Portland. And I got a message from um, Craig Weibel, who was the GM for RSL at the time. And he's like, hey, before you make any decisions, just come out to Salt Lake City, um, meet Deloitte, let's take you around town, kind of show you the digs. And basically I got wined and dined and I was asked pretty, pretty honestly, like, could you help us build something here? And, you know, this is the coach that we're looking to get. And it was Laura Harvey. And I was like, okay, well, that's a great coach to get. And that appealed to me. It, and it appealed to me to, to be a part of something new and to build it from the ground up and, and be instrumental in and trying to build the culture and getting the right people together. And so I, I said, yes, but I also said, yes, 
with kind of a verbal agreement that should the time come, they would help me get to Portland. And so after two years at Utah, where I thought, you know, we did some good things, we didn't hit the goals that we wanted to hit, but we were getting there. Um, I asked um, to get to Portland and it was, it was a life decision. Um, my I had been living here for five years. My boyfriend of, of 14 years has been here and I've done long distance with him since college, you know? So wow. okay. it was a life decision. And, and luckily Utah was great and helped that make that happen. And Portland wanted me. And so it happened. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. So obviously now with the defender of the year from last season, moving over to Portland, does that make them one of the favorites? Because I, I saw from tracking uh, things in the off season, I saw that Sky Blue were having a go as well. So what, what are we thinking for this year? Is this, this going to be the toughest year yet for you or what? What's happening? I think of all the years, there's probably more parity amongst the teams this season than there, there mm-hmm. have, has ever been. So I'm not going to say that because of me going to Portland, they're a favorite. I think they're always, they've <laughs> always been a favorite and they've made playoffs yeah, okay. consistently okay. for a lot of years. Um, there's also the whole, like, should I have one defender of the year this past year? I don't know. I don't think so. So um, hopefully I'll help shore up um, an already great defense here in Portland. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's always, you never know. You never know what team is just going to like find their stride and, and yeah. it could be New Jersey. I mean, it could be Spirit. So some of these teams have some really special players. And so really it just takes a few special players to really be on fire and they can make a, a go for playoffs. Yeah, for sure. It'd be interesting to see what happens in terms of how you restart, but or how you start rather. But if you do, you can, Bucky and I'll be watching every single game and I'm looking forward to, to seeing a very exciting season. Yes. So let me give you some praise for a second. So I think you're a really fascinating human being. And I'm really enjoying this. So please indulge me whilst I ask you some more questions. Are you okay with that? I'm, I'm great with that. Let's keep going. Okay. Now this requires honesty. Are you sure you're okay with this? This is you being yourself. Okay. There's no, there's no manual that's going to answer these questions. Are you good with this? We'll, we'll try. Okay. Right. So you're a team player who's won a ton of individual awards. But honestly, how do you feel? when you find out that you have won something? Because you just mentioned the Defender of the Year thing from last year. But how did you feel if you don't believe that you were Defender of the Year? Or just how do you feel in general when somebody says you have won this? Sometimes, for the most part, I, I've won it a few times now, and both have been in World Cup years. And so for me, in a World Cup year where I'm missing a majority of the games, it's hard to feel like you put out a full season of performances. Like you're grading some people off 22 games and you're grading me off 12. And like, is that fair? I don't know. So that's why there are some, some awards that I get where I'm just kind of like, mm, this doesn't feel right. Um, but whenever you win the award, it's, I mean, you always feel good. It's kind of like you're being appreciated for something that you love doing and people think you do it well. And so it's always nice to get those awards, um, but usually also as a defensive player, it is a reflection of the back line or really just yeah, the team there, in there general and how well the they defend. So, I see what you did there. Very <laughs> clever. That's a, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. That's on page two. I've seen that one. I've seen that one before. That's very good. Um, how many of those, those individual awards have you won, which you actually at the start of the season set out to win? I, I would say that like, at the start of every season, I would 
have on my goal list win defender of the year. I would say that's on my individual goal list. I'm not going to uh, compromise other things in order to win that goal, that yeah. individual award, but sure. Of course I want to be known as the best defender in the NWSL. I don't think any defender wouldn't want that. Well, it comes with some limelight, which you keep trying to avoid, but you keep getting <laughs> the award. So you're left in this sort of paradoxical situation, but you know, that's, what, that's the way it is. So to talk about, um, other things now if you could keep only one team medal and one individual medal or accolade which ones would you choose because obviously i know that you hang them on your um they're on your bookshelf aren't they or your gold medals and all that stuff yep on my yeah, team there so you have to keep one team one team medal and one individual accolade which ones would you pick so i have to choose oh. between NWSL and national team? Um, for the team medal, yes. Okay, well, you've got then I'd, I'd have to go with the 2015 Women's World Cup if I have to keep one medal. And why is that? Because for me, it's it's always been a lifetime career goal, and we hadn't won since 99, and... You know, we were always a favorite going into a World Cup, but we just never seemed to get to the very end and win the thing. And so for us to finally do that in 2015, I think for me individually was, you know, a check mark on that. But it also, I think, helped our team and our the brand of our team so much. And it's helped us in the years since kind of keep building that brand and being able to do the things that we've been doing. So it's just a special tournament, special moment for me. And if I have to go individual, yes, um, pressure. I would probably say 2013 Defender of the Year. So the start of the 2013, yeah, 2013 start of the NWSL first year in Kansas City, brand new team. Nobody knew our coach. Nobody really wanted to be in Kansas City. Our team, like nobody knew if we were going to be good, and we just turned out to be a special special team and i loved every second of it yeah great answer what would you say your greatest career achievement has been and just so you know it doesn't have to be a trophy or an award what would you say your greatest achievement has been my greatest achievement would be the first world cup game that i played in was in 2011 i got to play in the semifinal versus france i had not played a minute up until that point hadn't really played in any of the games leading up to the tournament. I had just really made the team before qualifications the year before. So definitely on the tail end of the roster. So making the team ecstatic, but then the normal starting center back got a red card in the quarterfinals and I got the nod. And so there I am. And in my 11th cap, I think playing in a semifinal of a world cup against France and I was not terrible. So like coming <laughs> off the field and just being like, wow, like, I had a lot of doubts going into that game. Like, am I good enough to be here? Am I good enough to be on this team? Like, is there a future for me? And I came off that field and I had that, those, those answers. And that's, that's huge, you know, in a, in a career path to know all of a sudden, like, yeah, you, you're onto something here. If you put your head down, you work hard, like there's a future for you in this. And so that was a big moment for me. That's, that's, that's very cool. I know you're not near retiring. You could play for another 10, 15, 20 years if you so wanted to. But if you could pick the last game that you'd ever play in, what would it be? I think 
what 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 the game what it will be is that it'll like be... whether it's a yeah whether it's a NWSL final a cup final world cup final whatever training game whatever you want what what would you pick I think I think my last game would probably be an NWSL I would love it to be the final and had just finished my national team career so just playing as just a professional player just loving life loving soccer if it's the final and we win that final and I can just, you know, bow out gracefully, hang up the boots, that'd be a nice way to go out, I think. And assuming it's with Portland, who would you like to play against? Who'd you like to beat in the final? Uh, North Carolina. Oh, okay. That'd be a good game. I'll tune in for that one. <laughs> so again, to do with retirement, obviously I know you've got another 20 years left in the game, but when you do eventually start, what do you think you'll miss the most? You know, I get asked that and as an introvert, it's, it's always funny for me to hear people be like, oh, the camaraderie and the, and the locker room. And I actually think I am going to miss that, you know, like kind of going Seriously. through what we've been going through here with the pandemic and social distancing and just being apart from everybody. Like I do, I do miss my teammates. I do miss being on the field together and laughing before you start dynamic warm up or after training when you're all tired and you're just sitting there, just kind of enjoying the sun. Like I, I, I miss those moments. And so I think those are the things I'll miss the most. Well, how about the, the opposite side of that coin? What would you miss the least? Uh, I'm, I'll not miss fitness testing. I'll tell you that I've never been great at it, <laughs> but man, I, if I don't have to you're run a, a beat test for the rest of my life, uh, that's great. You're a person very close to my heart. I appreciate <laughs> you saying that we think alike. So let's have some, uh, have a little bit of fun now, change the direction, change the pace a little bit. So a birdie told me you're a comic book fan. Is that true? A what fan? Comic book, like comic, the comics. Comic book. Interesting. Okay, yeah. keep going. Someone told me that. Is that true? That's the first thing. Is it true? Um, Are you into... I wouldn't say comic books. I would say like graphic novels I'm a fan okay. of. Let me just, let me just, let me just remove that question. Um, but let's make it, let's switch up a little bit. So you've heard of The Flash, yeah? The Flash, sure. Yeah, and you, you obviously everyone's heard of Superman. Would you rather be as fast as the Flash or fly like Superman? Superman. Why? I think flying is just would that would be the ultimate. Have you ever had flying dreams? Uh, if it's cool to say yes, then yes, I've had flying dreams before. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh! Well, if you actually haven't, if you're lying to all the people <laughs> listening, it is it is an amazing dream to have, and I haven't had them in, in years, but flying dreams like to be able to fly i mean i would choose that superpower over anything okay so um would you rather never read a book again or never play a video game again uh i would never play a video game again oh really so you're not really a gamer gamer then you're a pretend gamer that's mean no i I just think that there are so many wonderful books in the world that there's just more books to read than more video games to play. There's more games going to be developed, but sure. Um, would you rather be able to speak and not listen or to listen and not be able to speak? Listen and not be able to speak. And why is that? I think that we don't listen enough in this world, in this society. And I think a lot of people when they pretend to be listening are actually just waiting to speak. And so I think words are just getting lost and we're not hearing each other and we're not understanding each other. Mm -hmm. But then how about if you couldn't speak and somebody was talking to you and you completely disagreed? I would write it down and then show them. 
<laughs> That's a good answer. Okay. So for the rest of your life, you have two options for your evening meal. So this is for your dinner. You can either have your favorite meal every day, forever, or you would always have to have a different meal every single day. You can never go back to anything that you like or love. It has to be different every day. What would you rather? Different. Why? I think I would get really sick of bacon cheeseburgers every night. <laughs> okay. I, I like the little reveal there, how you like bacon <laughs> cheeseburgers. I, I, I like that. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't ever get to a point where you had something you really loved, but then you know that once you finished it, you'll never have it again. Would that not bother you? I mean, it's sad, but I think I would rather have variety than just the same thing. Okay. So you don't see continuity. And I see that. Um, a tough one now. Um, so all your medals, yeah? This is going to be linked to you specifically because of who you are and what you like as a person. But would you rather give all your medals away or have to wear them every day forever? Um, I would rather give them away. And why is that? Well, I kind of already have. So the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame has my 2015 gold medal and my 2012 Olympics gold medal. So I kind of given away some of them already. And okay. it doesn't hurt so bad. So, yeah. And this is probably the most um, arrogant thing that I'll say during this whole podcast. But, like, it would be kind of heavy to wear all my medals. <laughs> That's it. This you've 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 basically made the whole podcast just with that line. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But let me bring you back down to earth now. I think. Okay. So there's a penalty shootout, and you get to decide what position you are. Which position do you take to take a penalty? In from one to eleven. Oh no! Oh gosh. Uh, I would I would probably choose eleven. And so let yeah. me just back that up and say that. Before every major tournament, we work on penalty kicks so much and we get ranked based off like how well we take them, the velocity, the location, like they're being taped and scrutinized. And I probably am in like the six, seven range when it comes to one through 11. But every before every tournament, they ask, like, are you comfortable taking a PK? (laughs) And I'm that always takes me it takes me like months to answer because that's that's tough. And like people that take PKs on the regular, I have so much respect for like a Megan Rapinoe, what she did during our World Cup. Unbelievable. Like I, I mean, talk about being a star. Yeah, I, I I'll be honest, I'm not really the type of I would have picked dead last for myself as well. Like I know I can score them. But if I say, for example, if I stepped up and the keeper said, I know where you're going, I'm done. I'm cooked. I don't know what I'm going to do now. I really don't know because do I change my mind? And then if he saves it, he's like, ha ha, I'm in your head. Or I don't change my mind and he saves it and he's like, ha ha, I'm still in your head. Like I run out of options. So I hate penalties. Maybe we think too much. Yeah. This is the, see, this is the thing. It's good that we, you know, this is nice. This is nice. We're opening up to each other about our flaws. And I know yes. your neck's not strong enough for all your medals, but you're still going number 11 for penalties. So <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Um, just that I've got a few more things I'd like to ask you. Um, but actually, I'll, I'll do this in a different way. So do you live to work or do you work to live? I really don't know how to answer that. I would say that... I absolutely love what I do and I think I have the best job in the world. And so mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. That's a hard <laughs> one. What would you say? I would, you would probably say that 
You work to live. I yeah, I yeah, but it's it's changing. It's yeah, it's changing. I I do enjoy it. It feels like it's getting to the point where it's like a hobby now, huh. you know. But I, it's yeah, I've I've been playing a long time. I'm but I'm still younger than you though. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> but it's your birthday soon. I wish you happy birthday in advance. Oh. I saw that. Is that true? Yeah, June sixth. Yeah. Okay. So happy birthday in advance. Thanks. I will. I will just dance around the question and not answer it. Perfect. How about that? Just, okay. just like you did. Just like you did. Yeah. It's good work, right? You see what we're doing here? Yeah. Say nothing. It's a manual. We've literally spoken for forty minutes and said nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll read my manual. You'll read yours. Perfect. <laughs> I'd like you to give me, if possible. So I do fantasy five aside teams on this show, and I want. I would like two from you, if this is possible. And there's going to be a bit of thinking I'll go into it for sure because I've not, for anyone listening, I've not told you about this until just now. But I would like a fantasy five-a-side team of US players that you've played with or you just know and then just fantasy five-a-side team of players just in world soccer, women's world soccer, yeah? Okay. So this is a terrible so, question and I don't appreciate you just throwing this at me, but I'll play. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to do so. So please answer the question. Okay, so five aside for US players first. Yes. Doesn't have to be people you've played with, just just US soccer players in general. Okay. If you want to give you a PC answers, you do that. You do your political correct ones, name those people. Go for it. Okay, so go. in goal. Okay, so five aside, we're doing four field and one goal. Yes. Okay. So in goal, I'd have Alyssa Nair. Okay. I'd mm -hmm. have in the back with me, Julie Ertz. Hold on. Get yourself out of the team. How dare you? How dare you do that? You're not allowed in this I'm team. Not, I'm not on the team? No, you can't pick yourself for a fantasy team. How dare you? No. Damn. Just get yourself out. So who, So it's Alyssa Nair and who else? Okay. So it's Alyssa. It's JJ. It is... Crystal Dunn. Yeah. I'm going to go with Lauren Holiday, who has retired a while ago. Makes me sad. I'll put up top um, Megan Rapino. All right. And how about just the five-a-side for world soccer? Just players who you've played against or just seen in your time? Uh, I would be interested in... I probably would put Marjan in there, German okay. player. Mm -hmm. um, Majri, French defender. I would put... Mm. Man, this I can't believe you just threw this at me. Honestly, it's my pleasure. It's, it's my absolute pleasure doing this. Um, I would put the Chilean goalkeeper in there, Endler. I need another defender. Um, interested in Bernard, probably French center back. Okay. Got two French, one German, so I need one other player. Mhm. Mm it should be easy. It's just one player in world soccer. It's fine. Yeah. It's right. Um, it's just one. Uh, Lucy Bronze. I'll put her in there. Okay, Lucy Bronze is in there. So that's. That's the fun section. And now I have just one more question. It's It can be as serious as you want or as lighthearted as you want. It's completely up to you. But it's a great platform to be serious okay. in this moment because I'd like to ask you, when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? 
Oh, wow. Um, be proud if I was known as like a player's player. And so having the respect of my teammates, knowing that I wanted what was best for them and for the team and that I was willing to sacrifice whatever it took to make the collective successful. I think I would really like to be known as a player that like will be missed because of that. And like just being someone who made the culture better and made the day a little bit brighter and made games fun, but probably very disciplined. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I think I would be really happy if I was known for that. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. And it's kind of the thing which I say myself. You've basically just, I've, I feel like I've interviewed myself, less the accolades. So thank you very much for allowing me to speak to myself. I really appreciate you. No thank problem. Thank you very much, Becky. You make sure you stay safe. And I look forward to seeing you playing soon as well. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, same, same to you. Yeah, good to speak to you. Well, I really enjoyed hearing from her and I hope you did too. To be that successful but also so humble and driven, really is incredible. She's definitely an inspirational figure and somebody that we should definitely celebrate, as there certainly aren't many like her in the world, let alone in football. But there we go. Listeners, remember to let us know what you thought about the show. The handle is kickback underscore Nadem on Instagram and Twitter. And just so you know, we love interacting with you. And to close, I'd like to thank the number one producer in all the world, Mr. Ryan Hale, and the newest member of the kickback team, media manager Skylar Warwick big thanks to Mountaineer Studios Draper Utah and last but not least all you listeners out there thank you very much stay safe we appreciate you and speak to you soon